Lord, we thank you for the privilege that you have granted us to speak your name in the congregation of the righteous. You are the one that draws us to yourself. Our journey in you is not a function of our intention. But by your sovereignty, you reached out to us and you brought us in and you are leading us through in a journey in yourself. We ask that you grant us understanding and insight in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We will spend some time doing some uh, Bible study this morning. Um, you may be seated. Pull your Bibles out. Let's study the Bible. Hallelujah. I was praying towards the inception of the year and trying to find my bearing. And uh, for many days in the prayer and fasting uh, season, I was trying to actually articulate the emphasis of God for my life in the new season. And the things that God will have me share whenever I'm found and given the opportunity to minister in the congregation of the righteous. And God began to give me insight and he began to bring me to an understanding of what I titled the many dimensions of the experience of God. Turn your Bible with me to First John, I'll commence my reading from verse 1. First John, I'll commence my reading from verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father was and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. If you are still there, say amen. amen. Now, this man was trying to bring us into an understanding of eternal reality. If you notice the way the book of 1 John began, you'll be able to trace it to the book of St. John chapter 1. Because he began 1 John in the same manner that he began the book of John chapter 1. For instance, in the book of John chapter 1, it reads, in the beginning was the word. It was as if John was trying to access the origin of all things so that he will bring us into perfect light of what God expects at every point and every junction in time. John began in the book of John chapter 1 to give us insight into um, the revelation of an eternal personality. If we look upon that scripture from the standpoint of the original a language, the original Greek language from whence it was translated, the manuscript was translated to English, it reads, in the beginning was the Logos and the Logos was with God and the Logos was God. Hallelujah. In the Greek language, the Logos, the word Logos sustains two meanings. First of all, it sustains it means the utterance. In the beginning, there was a personality that gave utterance and expression to God. You must understand that if God wants to display himself, if God wants to unravel himself, he cannot explain who he is, he cannot manifest who he is by any other means other than himself. Did that make sense? All right. I didn't make sense. All right. You see, God can never be defined except the utterance speaks about him. The revelations of God can only be conveyed by the personality called the 
utterance. And that's why we said yesterday that a revelation is not a thing, it's not an idea, it's not a concept, it's not a fact that you stumble into mentally. Now, you see, we said revelation was not just stumbling into a, a statement of fact, but actually coming into the environment of a personality. That personality is the personality that can reveal God, that can speak about God, that can communicate God, that can bring you into the experience of God. Are you still with me now? So every time God is communicated, every time God is revealed, every time God is put on display, it will be by the agency of this personality that God, uh, Paul, John stumbled upon in the realm of the spirit and he called him the utterance, the, ones that, the one that bears the faculty sufficient enough and sustains enough stature to give explanation, to give insight about God. And so when Jesus shows up, around the corridors of your life what happens is that an unveiling takes place and the revelations of god begin to become available and accessible to you because it is him that is the utterance that communicates and brings the mysteries of god to the plane where you can access it to the plane where you can understand it are you with me now so that's the first definition of the word logos is what they they utterance the utterance the utterance in the beginning was the utterance now you see there were several times in scripture where jesus manifested his divinity one of such times was when he gave the apostles an instruction that he had to they had to cross from one side of the river bank to the other side and then the entire creation began to revolt against that mission in fact, the wind came boisterous, so much so that uh, fishermen that were skillful in the art of fishing became jittery about the possibility of their survival. And suddenly, Jesus, that was sleeping at the foot of the, bo the, the, the boat, was squeaking. Was and when he was squeaking, he spoke to the wind. And instantly, there was a great calm. So much so that people began to wonder, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him is the utterance he spoke the same word he spoke when creation was fashioned and creation has to identifies that utterance that frequency and creation had to submit to him because he is what the utterance every time god is revealed every time god is put on display every time god is manifested every time the perspective of god is revealed to you to me to anybody to a congregation it means the utterance is speaking and whenever your life begins to lack the ministry of the utterance what is happening to you is that you are beginning to walk in darkness where there is no vision where the utterance doesn't put god on display in the lives of men their lives follows a pattern of cycles and circles and doesn't get to strike any chord in eternity i pray that god will open your ears i pray that god will open your eyes so that you will not walk the walk of men but your feet will be guided by the utterance secondly the word logos translates to the knowledge the knowledge now you see there's no way we can talk about god because my assignment this year actually is to bring god and put god on display for you so that everybody will have access will understand god and know how to connect with him if god didn't want us to know him he wouldn't have sent the holy spirit because the bible says that we have received the spirit which is not of this world but the spirit which is of god that we may know the things that are freely given to us of God. Except by the agency of the Holy Spirit, we are cut off from the economy of God. And that which he has put in place by his administrative arrangement in order to fulfill his eternal purpose. It's the Spirit of God that unravels our understanding, opens our understanding, so that we can access those dimensions and function in the realm that God wants us to be. The knowledge. Every time you operate with god you walk with god you will notice that god operates on a frequency of knowledge that is far beyond the scope of your mind if you are to follow the testimony of hannah hannah after that she had gone through barrenness for a season and by contact with god and by encountering god her womb was open again and she gave birth to a son and she began to pray a prayer 
And the prayer also now became an exhortation. And she said that our God, can we read that scripture in the book of, I guess the second Samuel? First Samuel? Let's read that scripture quickly. But don't forget where we are starting from. We are starting from the book of First John chapter 1. And throughout this year on this platform, that's the scripture we'll be dealing with. Throughout the 12 months of this year, we'll not deviate. We'll just remain on that scripture. Remain on that scripture. Because God encountered me with this scripture. And I think it's time to broadcast it. Now, turn with me to First Samuel quickly. Let's see the utterances of, uh, of Hannah. Um, first Samuel chapter 2 If you are with me say amen. amen And Anna prayed and said My heart rejoiceth in the Lord My horn is exalted in, in, in the Lord My mouth is enlarged over my enemies Because I rejoice in thy salvation There is none holy as the Lord She has moved from worshipping God From exalting God and she has moved into an exhortation. An exhortation is a spirit-inspired utterance that has a capacity to build the confidence of God in the hearts of men. So she had moved from ex- of, of extolling God, moved from giving glory to God, and now she came under a different influence, and now she's giving an exhortation. An exhaltation is predicated upon uh, an intrinsic, intimate revelation of God that crystallizes on the very privacy and in the core of our being. And is precipitated there by the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost gives us faith and utterance to communicate it. Such a potent word, such potent utterances have power from God to establish confidence in God in the hearts of men. So she had moved from giving thanks. She had moved from giving praise. And at this point she was speaking about God. He said, there is none holy as what? I can't hear you. For there is none besides thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. She, she, it, it took a revelation for her to make that utterance. She said, don't talk too much just because you are strong. Tell your neighbor, don't talk too much. I saw you on Monday, you were boasting. I saw you in the bank. After looking at your account balance, you came out of the bank with a limp. This woman is saying, don't boast, don't boast. Because our God operates on a superlative dimension of knowledge. And it's on the strength of this knowledge that he can actually put into context the motivation that engendered the actions of men. Are you with me now? So we cannot talk about God without talking about a modicum of knowledge. In fact, he is knowledge himself. And if you are encountering God, God will be opening websites, vistas, and grant, causing you to gain entrance into spiritual knowledge. Spiritual knowledge gives you understanding and advantage in spiritual activities so that you know the consequences that should result after you carry out a spiritual activity. And your faith is steadfast because you understand the principles that regulate that sphere of influence that you have knowledge about. Do you understand what I'm talking about? You cannot advance in the spirit realm, advance in the kingdom of God outside of the knowledge of God that you have. And it happens to be that knowledge in the spirit realm is not something you study, it's something that comes by revelation. It precipitates in the very core of your being. It, it leaps out of your system and you know it's not a precursor of your mind. Our God is a God of knowledge. And so when John was taking us to the book of um, John chapter 1 and he said, in the beginning was the word. He was talking about a compendium of knowledge that gives utterance to his purposes. A personality that was a compendium of knowledge that does what? Gives 
utterance. It doesn't conceal his purposes. It declares his purposes. And by the time we go to the book of Hebrews chapter 1, we see more clearly the personality of the word had come on display here. The incarnation had take place, taken place. God, the personality the word had been made flesh. And when the personality the word was made flesh, all he did on earth was to define God. Because he was the only one empowered to what? To communicate God, to express God. So in the book of Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, God, in diverse manners and in diverse ways, speak unto the fathers by the prophets, but he has in this last day spoken unto us by his son. Alright? So when Jesus was made manifest, what he did was that he gave expression to God. He revealed how God will operate in natural human circumstances if he were man. He's still fulfilling his assignment as the utterance. And every time he shows up, he gives expression and perspective to God's context. Once upon a time, they came to him and they said, who sinned that this man was born blind? I hope you know prior to that time, there was no possibility of making such an inquiry. Because the only possibility of inquiring from God was either that you, you met a priest that was, was gifted in the ways of the Urim and the Turim, or it's either that you met a prophet that could access the mind of God and download the template of heaven, or it's either that you study the law and find the perspective of God concerning the issue that is bothering you. But you come to realize that it's not every issue that is captured in the law, so you will need a prophet to give you insight. You will need the Urim and the Turim sometimes to, to actually find out if God was at peace with the action that he wanted to embark upon. But here was a day where if people wanted to understand the underlying purposes of God, the underlying intent of God for even allowing a man to be born blind, they had access to a personality that could give them the such an insight it was because the word of god was on display for all humanity to see how god can, would have operated if he were man that's still the utterance coming into stronger form of expression so that no man will have the excuse that he doesn't know how god would have operated he was beaten many times he was excused wrongly many times they tried to kill him many times Hallelujah. But he opened not his mouth. So we saw God's character on display when Jesus was manifested upon the face of the earth. His assignment is to give voice and expression to God. You see it now? Okay. So, by the time we move to the book of First John, because in the book of John, he's trying to make us understand that there's no possibility of knowing God outside of the personality that he identified as the world. Please help me tell your neighbor. You cannot know God outside of the Christ. Because it's a Christ that bears his testimony. It's a Christ that will reveal him. It's a Christ that speaks for him. It's a Christ that makes him manifest. That's his ministry. That's what he does in his most natural state of existence. If you, he passes by and Maybe you see him wave his hand. An expression of God is actually tied to that wave. Do you understand what I'm talking about? If you can enter into his thoughts, an expression of God will be revealed to his thoughts. The Bible said that Jesus was writing on the ground. When they asked him, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. And according to the law of Moses, she should be stoned to death. What say ye? What did he do? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> he, he began to write on the ground and somehow scriptures did not reveal to us what he wrote you were not there that day if you were there that day that writing that he was writing was also expressing God <laughs> there's nothing he does that doesn't express God his thoughts were the thoughts of God his feelings were the feelings of the word of God he, his utterances revealed the person of God his, oh my God he, he was just an utterance that gave expression to God 
Are you with me now? Now, so in the book of First John, he spoke about this personality called the Word. But by the time we move to the book of First John, chapter one, he now begins to talk about not just this personality because he expects that you should have known the personality. Because in his previous book, when he was introducing his previous book, he gave us insight into that personality. In fact, the purpose, the sole purpose for which the book of John was written was to give us insight into that personality called the word that has been made flesh. And if we do the panoramic view of the book of John, you come to realize 18 things in the book of John that actually revealed the unique display of divinity that was revealed through the ministry of Jesus. Unique display of divinity. Hallelujah. But that's not our emphasis now. By the time we go to the book of First John, what do you see? He begins to speak on another level. And in his speaking in the book of First John, what he communicates is actually the experience of God. Hallelujah. Now, in John is what? The knowledge of God. Because what we see in John 1 is definition. What we see in John 1 is that he's bringing an awareness of a spiritual personality. Alright? But in 1 John 1, we see him using the same word in the beginning. And then you just know that the same guy that wrote 1 John, that wrote John. But there's another perspective he's trying to bring to our notice. Because he begins to speak about the experience of of that personality that he introduced to us previously. The experience of God. Now, you see, the truth of the matter is this. The knowledge of God is actually intertwined with the experiences of him that you, you have. You know, those days I felt that um, if you study the Bible very, very much, which I encourage everybody to study, that you just come out a a guru, somebody that knows God so much. And I went on, on an assignment. I studied from Genesis to Revelation, from Revelation to Genesis, and I did it for many years. I could quote whole chapters. I could quote whole verses. I could preach and pluck out a chapter from the Bible and quote it and give expression to it, and you'll be ventilated. But you see, I came to realize several years later, that the knowledge of God was beyond my ability to cram and quote. It was tied to my experience of the eternal personality that John was trying to introduce. And in the book of First John, we see John speaking about the dimensions of experience. The dimensions of experience that are in God. Amen? Are you with me? We are looking at the dimensions of the experience of God. Come with me to First John. Let's look upon it again. First John, please turn. Hallelujah. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. Somebody say head. Seen and handled, looked upon. He's trying to bring us into the dimensions of the experience of God. Because previously he had, he, had, he, had, he had given us the knowledge of God. And now he wants to give us the experience of God. Now, you see, in Nigeria, we, we talk a lot about God. There's a particular church like that. Uh, if you meet any of their members, they quote scriptures a lot and all of that. Amen. Okay, it's that one that you're thinking. That one. They quote so much scriptures that choke you with scriptures and make you and then when you stay for a while and try their lives, you will see that it is devoid of what they speak about. Now, see, the encountering God and having the knowledge of God is not a function of how many scriptures you can quote. I told you that I did so much scriptural juggernaut. I could quote scripture. I could do all of that. Amen. But when we went to the field of missions, see, you need to go on mission fields sometimes. The field of missions, some demons in Idoma land accosted us. I was preaching opposite the 
house of a necromancer. And the guy came into my room in the night. Maybe he wanted us to talk or something. He showed up. That was when I knew I didn't know God. <laughs> so I now spoke to God, even though I said, if you deliver me today, I will. Well, he delivered me anyway. But it was clear to me that night that I did not know God. So I left that place in search of him. May it be clear to you, if you know your God or not, these few days, so that you can embark on a, on a desperate search for him. The testimony has not ended. Many years later, when I taught some things in the spirit, I went there. Again, the man packed. <laughs> and it's not as if I accumulated more scriptures, but I came into experience. And so John is trying to bring us a step deeper and he's saying, we heard it. Alright? And then he said, we looked upon it. That means that which we heard. Hmm? What God did is that he substantiated it. Now, if we read... Are you still with me? Now, there's a lot to cover. So, that's why we can't stay on any point and explain in detail. Now, the Lord can come to you and he say, Thou, mighty man of valor. I hope you know that that utterance was actually backed up with divine potency. Apart from the hearing of the ear, it casts, it casts a substance on your heart. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Have you ever prayed before and in your time of prayer, you heard God speak to you? All right. But beyond what he said to you, something hung on your heart. Now, you see, the voice of God, God wants to translate his dealings with you into experience. Something that touches your heart. Because if anything in God does not affect your heart, it cannot affect your life. And so it's possible for you to attend a conference and then you come back with so many notes in your notepad and your heart is not heavy from the weight of the things that have come into you from the spirit realm. That exercise of taking notes was futile. Except you take your notes back and begin to pray on the things that you were instructed in and then the Lord comes and kindles substance to that which you receive. Then it becomes your own. You see, beyond the hearing of the ear, that's quite natural. Alright? As I'm saying now, God so loved the world is quite natural. But I can be preaching that and saying that, and then somebody begins to break down under conviction. Because the thing has gone beyond what everybody heard. A substance of his reality has been fashioned and formed on the person's heart. And that one has dimensions. The person can feel it. It's just like your heart beat. Do you understand what I'm talking about? If your heart is beating you, if you put your hand there, or put your ear there, you'll be able to hear the vibration that is going on. Then the, That thing he said is actually spirit and life. And he has the ability to form himself on your heart. And so it goes beyond just your hearing. It comes to become something that has formed itself on your heart. And you see, as you, trans, as you move from one level to another level, it's more difficult for you to be confused. Now, the guy that just heard can be confused eventually. Because he can go somewhere and hear something else. And then he cannot begin to become confused about what he heard the first time. So he doesn't know where to stand. Alright? Uh, but if you go from hearing to seeing, when that which you heard now becomes a substance upon your heart. You know, the Bible says faith is the substance. But I will want to render it this way. Faith is the substantiation. Faith is the what? substantiation of things hoped for. It's as if hope is, is two-dimensional. It doesn't have the third dimension that will make it a substance. So what faith does is that it gives substance to the things that you have desired, to the things that you hope for. And at that point where it becomes substance, it means it is now real in the realm of the spirit. And a man that has substance in his spirit, it's more difficult to deceive. Because he's 
moving more into the experience of the things that have been opened. Now, some of the things that kept... Now, you heard the prophet yesterday. There were many times in his work with God where he did not find reference points. I don't know if I'm right. You know, God just dislocates you from the normal path that you are used to and then he puts you on limbo. He suspends you and he is expecting you to walk in the air. Especially for many of us, that's how God began to work with us. And you see, the truth of the matter is that you want to fall back to that which you have security in, that which you are used to. Because it's always a risk to chart new territory. The things that God was saying, I was no longer hearing on, on the pulpit. And meanwhile, the, the, the numerical strength of the congregation was growing. But I was dying inside. I knew God was calling me and stirring me into something that was not, could not be fed from pulpit level. It was, I didn't know how to go about it. And that's why you have to trust God in your journey. Trust is when you go blind. And then you allow the Holy Ghost to hold you on a tightrope. Alright? If you just come alive and your eyes open, you will fall. So you just walk on. The only thing that I know that I had was a substance. The things that God was dealing with me about had formed a substance on my inside. Do you realize that if, if while praying for something, God gives you a picture of it or a vision about it, visions really help your faith. Because you have already seen and no matter what the devil does, no matter the circumstances, his kindles around your life, because you have seen it, you, you can't doubt it anymore. Now, when I was to get married, my courtship lasted for about five years. And the time came where I, I summoned all my friends. I summoned Joshua. I summoned Donatus. I summoned Uka. And we began to pray and fast. And, and as we were vibrating in the spirit, I saw that my reception was outdoor. I hope you know receptions take place after weddings have been concluded. And I saw it outdoor, you know. <laughs> so I knew that there was going to be a reception. And it was going to be outdoor. The moment that picture came, experience has, has moved to another level. I've seen it. The substance has been formed by the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost is into the business of making that word which you hear. A substance, something that you can look to, something that can be formed upon your heart, something that has dimensions and structure, something that you can bear its weight upon your heart. And even if nobody around you sees it, you know it because you are carrying it. You can't tell me you are carrying load on your head and you don't know. You see, they, we, we, we have to advance in the experience of God these days. There's so much religion around. Are you with me now? You can't say you are taking something on your head and you can't, and you don't know, but you are just carrying it. No. You will have to look upon it because sometimes the Holy Spirit will give you a picture. You will see it. You have to touch it. All right? Because the Holy Spirit will form, will impact a substance upon your spirit testifying about the reality of that which is in the realm of the spirit. Hallelujah. And then, there are times where you handle it. And that's a very, it's a high plane. Hallelujah. It's a high plane in your spiritual dealing with God. Where, because of that which you have with God. You can say like, 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 like Peter before the gate called beautiful. Receive and God I, I don't have. But such as I have, I'm handling something right now, I give you. It's as if he had the right to tap into it and give it out. I hope you know it's impossible to, conf to confuse that kind of a man because he has moved through some stages. So in the book of 1st John, what John is trying to do now is to bring us into the dimensions of the experience of God. And if we all begin to have experiences from God that we understand, it will be more and more difficult for you to be deceived even if you attend a conference that God did not come. You will know he didn't come. I think it's time we stop being emotional. If God is not somewhere, it's not, it's not there. 
we can we can teach about intercession we can teach about all these things but you see it's when you begin to experience intercession that you be, really become an intercessor it's the experiences that you, you get on the job that God will give you on the job. Unique experiences, unique education, unique teaching, unique entrances, unique endowments and empowerments to carry out that function that translates to actually actual intercessory ministry. Alright? So you cannot say that just because somebody intercedes, eh? he is an intercessor. Just because we now say congregationally, let's pray for this and pray for that, you are now an intercessor. No. What makes you an intercessor are the experiences that you have and the scars you have, the battles you fight along that line. The revelations God will begin to give you to make you more effective. The experiences that will establish you, install you, that will open up an understanding of God that will uphold you in that which God has called you to do. Those are the things that establish you and those are the things that give you authority in that dimension. And the more experience we have, the more difficult it will be for someone to take you out of alignment with God. And so we can, we can, we can safely say that our generation is devoid of experiences. So people were not, have not been trained to relate with God and to experience him and to grow in him. But so many scriptures, so many scriptures, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. So John takes it further. Within the limits of my study and the limits of the impartations and encounters I had with God towards the early days of the year, I saw ten dimensions. I've said it, that we cannot exhaustively treat any of these subjects. But my assignment this year is to bring us into the experience of God because so many questions are, are coming in. I, I was praying yesterday night, I was feeling fire on my right hand and, hey, calm down, don't worry. As we, as we move in this, I don't have the authority to tell you what the fire means. But I will give you the basic tools that will make you relate with the one bringing the fire Enough for you for him to reveal to you what the fire means. You must understand that experiences with God are first hand. And even though I have a similar experience, it may not mean the same thing for you. I know the sign the Lord gave me to show that the healing anointing is in oppression. Hallelujah. I can be preaching and just waiting for the signs to come. And when the signs come, and I begin to round up the sermon to begin to minister to people. Not because I just felt that, okay, this is the time to minister. It's 30 minutes to the end of the service, so let's shift. No. <laughs> there was a sign that came. I know the sign that comes that reveals that, yes, you cannot stand in your office. I want to impart people and bring people into their destiny. So some impartations will take place that will push people into their destiny. Just stand where you are and give the command. I will move into the crowd. They are signs. And those signs, I didn't learn it by, with, by Bible study. I learned it by experiencing God. There were some signs that it took me 10 years to perfect. And when I was about saying, I got it, he moved me to another level and I became a learner again. Every time you say, I will have it, you actually lost it at that point. Because when I thought I had perfected some things and I stand on the pulpit, I feel ah, I don't know how to respond because I like to be I like to know what God wants in the service. I'm not coming there to do anything premeditated. I come free. Yes, there are some signs I've mastered but recently I've been having some dimensions that I don't even know what to, should I talk or should... so don't be quick to say we have it. The Lord give you understanding. I didn't hear your amen. amen. So you can. We'll look at. The dimension of experiencing God. From the platform of faith. That's the initial dimension. Faith. Experiencing God as light. As life. As power. As 
revelation and truth as knowledge and wisdom, healing, miracles, as love, and the prophetic. Hallelujah. So that's going to be the syllabus I'm going to be treating during the course of this year. Amen? So can we begin from the first one? Faith. I hope you know it's God that operated faith first. There's nothing wrong with faith. The only thing is that when God gave us his faith to operate, that's when problems now started coming. <laughs> For instance, that's why we don't give ourselves names like faith preacher, prosperity preacher. and Because most times when you hear people say those things, they are actually telling you where they stopped in the journey. They are just saying that I got it. That's the same thing they are trying to say. And when you hear people like that for 14 years, it's just rolling around one point like that. It is my own opinion that it's no longer up to date. For 14 years. Hallelujah. So you are not a faith preacher. But faith is a part and parcel of the Christian life. In fact, it is your work with God begins from the standpoint of faith. And we need to understand, I know we know that, that God is a God of faith. That's how he operates. Okay? Now, we, in, in seeing the scriptures, you will find out that faith is a gift of the Spirit. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. Faith is a spirit. Alright? Because the Bible says that we have the same spirit of faith. Are you with me now? Now, so let's try to understand this faith. What exactly is faith? And then the Bible speaks about the faith of the Son of God. How does that faith operate? How can we relate with those dimensions of experience in God? Now, first of all, it's needful to understand that the source of faith is God. And faith came into existence, came into manifestation. In fact, the fact that you could believe Christ for your salvation was an act of the impartation of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that imparted faith to you that you could even believe Christ for salvation. Are you with me now? Oh, you're not with me. You're not here today. So when the Holy Ghost comes into the environment of your human spirit, what he does is that he imparts faith. It is that faith that the Holy Spirit imparts that gives you the possibility and the ability to walk with God. Are you with me now? So faith is basic. Faith is fundamental. Without faith, you cannot walk with God because God does not operate from the realm of your senses. You have to step up higher. And it is God himself that imparts the resources with which you step up with him and walk with him. And that walk is a walk of faith. Now, you must understand that even the gospel itself, not everybody can preach the gospel. Because the package of the gospel and the message of the kingdom is actually opposed to humanity. When somebody wants to get married and he's saving money to get married, the Holy Ghost now comes and he says, sow the money. He does, you see, he's opposed to humanity. And I hope you know that in order for you to carry out any instruction that God gives you, you can't carry it out with your own ability you have. You need empowerment. In fact, it is going to be by faith. So you see, by the time we go to the book of Hebrews chapter 11, and you're going to see several things that these guys did because they had faith. Those guys did not do those things ordinarily. They did it because there was what? There was faith. And if it is true that you walk by faith, people in your environment will notice that your life is not ordinary. We, we can't talk about faith and then the average Christian is ordinary. 
he goes to the exam hall the same way the ordinary people go to the exam hall he has similar results with ordinary people god does not want you to be human you need to know that to operate with the resources of humanity is insufficient and it needs to upgrade you and bring you to a point where you can walk on that path that fowls have not seen So after God said I should release that money, the next time they got, the Lord now appeared to me. He said I should wake everybody in the house up. So I woke them up. And then when I started praying, when we started praying, now spoke to me and said, see, this part of your salary, you will give me every month. When he said that, it was easy for me to respond because I already had an experience along that line. You know, what God wants to do is that through your encounters with him, at first in your work with him, he begins, if God begins to probe Another dimension of your life begins to probe maybe your financial life now. And he wants to bring your financial life in, in subjection to his authority. And he begins to say, do this. Go and give that sister that. Go and give this person this. Send this amount to our Alphonsus. And you know that everything is instructing. You cannot do it naturally. Because you feel it's not wise for you to be spending like that. In the view of circumstances... And situations. Are you with me now? And then maybe you, 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 you reluctantly obeyed him. But you obeyed all the same. And then you now see the results that came from that obedience. You know you are emboldened to advance. At that point, it doesn't take as much effort as it took the first time for you to continue the work. So walking in faith becomes a natural thing if your work with God is consistent. And if it becomes natural... And you walk like that for two years, people in your environment must have taken notice that you are not a normal man. You are not hearing me now. You are not hearing me. Everything that God wanted to do on earth required people to respond. Sometimes when he sees that there is no, this person cannot believe me, what he does is that he, he imparts faith as a gift to the person. But it must be by faith if you are going to work with God. So let's start from one of the points. Can you turn to Luke chapter 1? I'm going to round up right now. The experience of God. It must be by faith. When last did God come to you and say, do this strange thing? When last did he come to you and say, give me your night? Don't sleep from 12 to 3. And he knows that you walk 12 hours in a day. And hallelujah. The kind of work I do can be so physical sometimes. So physical. So demanding. And then you come back and he says, You don't have a right to sleep. I hope you know you can't respond to him with humanity. If you are going to fulfill that which he has instructed, you must walk on a path that fowls cannot see. Promotion was done in the office. And people here had seen that I was promoted. Came to me and said, you are promoted. promoted. The list came out, my name was not on it. So I, I took leave. I went somewhere for two days. I said, meanwhile, what exactly happened? <laughs> and he, he spoke to me. I said, you are promoted. I said, sorry, the last time I checked, my name was not there. He didn't, he, he didn't talk again. For, I continued till the, sec, the second day was accomplished. He didn't, he didn't speak again. I just came out. Six months later, the executive secretary of my office now visited my depot. When he, he asked me a few questions, I, I cleared his doubts. Ah, ah. He didn't say anything. He went back and asked them, go, that man, go back to his file, promote him and backdate him. So, the promotion was backdated. So I had accumulated money. <laughs> what, what I'm saying is this. It's for you to work with God. You just, it must be by faith. He's telling somebody that for two years. The list came out two years now. He's telling you that you are promoted. 
Then when it eventually happened and it was backdated two years backward, then I knew that the first thing that will suffer loss when you enter into your walk with God is your mind. And that's why the mind must be subject to consistent renewal so that you can handle the things that are coming. Are you with me? You say, okay, I'm just through with you, service. Kneel down and bind yourself with a fast until God speaks. So that you know when, where to set feet. It's a work of faith. And you never get to that place that God wants you to go, except you are ready to advance along that line. Every time God speaks, he speaks beyond the level that your humanity can contain. Are you with me now? Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, as I try to round up, Luke chapter 1, verse 28. Now, you see, these things I'm trying to share with us, I want you to take note when it is activated. In Luke chapter 1, verse 28, the Bible reads, And the angel came, came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee, blessed art thou amongst women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus he shall be great sorry he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest and the lord god shall give unto him the throne of his father david and he shall reign over the house of jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end then mary said unto the angel how shall this be Seeing, I know not a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she had also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. This scripture most graphically and accurately illustrates a scenario where the gift of faith was in oppression. Notice that the angel came and brought a message to Mary. That she was going to conceive and give birth to a son. And that son was going to be called the son of the highest. He was going to be called the son of God. And it was clear from that scripture that Mary did not have faith. To receive which, that which the angel was communicating. Because she said, how shall these things be? Seeing that I know not a man. So the angel began to explain the mechanism of how God activates the gift of faith. He said the spirit of the Lord shall what? Shall come up. Because you see you can't walk with me until your faith level comes to my frequency. And now it's obvious you can't, you can't go this journey. So I have to do something sovereign to bring you to my own level. And he now began to explain to Mary how that the spirit of the Lord will come upon her and the power of the highest will overshadow her.
notice at the tail end of the scripture that we read, she was brought into faith. She was snatched from doubt. And she concurred. And said, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, faith had come. Be it done to me according to... Now, I want you to know those times when you pray and you are coming against several things, coming against some things, and then suddenly you just become bold. That is, you actually, is reinforcement. Beyond your own capacity, beyond the level of your own faith, God has carried out an impartation so that you can press through that which you are contending with. It's the gift of faith. And if you are consistent in the place of prayer, it comes on you again and again. I remember when I was still in the university and God spoke to me. There's one church in Otopo. We used to go to preach a Methodist church. And God spoke to me that I should go and look for the elder that we normally stay in his house. That the man is in trouble. Go and help him. Ah, let me see if people know that elder here. Okay. We used to preach in Methodist church, Sabongiri. In Otupo. And so God said, go and meet the elder. Help him because he has a serious problem. I delayed for three days. And after three days, I could no longer hold it. So I, I took a vehicle that brought me to Otupo. When I approached the elder's house, I met them in a strange state. And I walked up to the man. And I said, God said you had a problem. And he has sent me to help you. He said, you came late. Then I began to blame myself because I delayed for three days before I came there. Hey, what happened? He said, this man just came from the village now. He said, my mother died. He said, all right. There's a room I normally stay when I come there. So I was ushered into that room for one hour. I came out and said, your mother didn't die. The man said, Wallahi, he died. And he was more convincing than myself because the symptoms of stammering came that day. And the ability to explain my way was not given to me. So I now say, okay, since you didn't believe, let me go back. And he said, no, we are going to, all of us are going to the village. And I said, no, I'm, I have campus, I have school work to do. See? Because when I was in the room praying, it came to me that if the woman had died and if the death was conclusive. God won't send me here. If God kept prompting me and disturbing me for three days, I don't believe I'm late. And so if that's your problem, the woman didn't die. And I was speaking so bold. And the village was, in you know, in Obadibo, local government area. And we began to advance there. We began to advance there. For Two hours were still on the road. We now entered one bush part and began to navigate. When I became tired, the man said, we have reached. <laughs> I wanted to have bought me. <laughs> Guess what? When we appeared at the village, the whole village was gathered at the man's house. Then I came back into the flesh. I stepped down from faith. And I asked, I said, man, if this woman didn't die, why is the village here? The Lord help you when the gift of faith is imparted. You know, Mary said something. How can this be seen? I what? May God help you not to consider. Suspend your mind and flow in the current of that wave that has seized your spirit. The whole village was there. And I was wondering why the village gathered. If there was nothing to gather about. And when we were coming out, I was the last person. The man was in front. The guy that brought the news was in the middle. <laughs> and I was already in the flesh. I couldn't pick God anymore. And I followed just like that. And we moved and entered the first room. Women were sitting on the ground. Everybody was sitting here. Then they spoke a dumb spoke a dumb Couldn't understand what, what they were saying. Then we moved into the second room. Some elders were there. Old men. You know what happened? When we moved into the third room, the woman was sitting on the bed alive. She died, and that time I was praying, she came back to life. And the whole village had not seen the dead come back to life. That's why they gathered. 
The man now told them, this was the pastor that said the woman didn't die. That was the first time I preached outdoor message and saw life miracles. And another journey started for me. Another journey. About five years later, when a, a, a small child died in the bus where I was traveling, and I asked God, why will somebody die in the vehicle? And the Lord spoke to me, she shall live again. That, I, I, I rushed. That was what I needed. And she came back to life again. Came back to life. Now, you see, if you know how to respond to the gift of faith, and you know when God has activated you, when the Spirit of the Lord has overshadowed you, and and you are gliding from that realm, you can, you can change many things. You can change many things.